I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Tuesday, October 31st, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and technology, all in less than seven minutes. So, Jay, it's a particularly happy Halloween for investors in Five Nights at Freddy's. The flick adapted from the popular video game franchise saw the best debut for a horror film this year, smashing expectations on its way to $132 million at the global box office. Now, alongside Barbie and Super Mario Brothers, this is the year's two biggest movies. That's crazy to think of. Freddy's points to a trend of Hollywood looking to new non-movie pieces of IP for hits. The really scary thing is that the IP is geared towards kids rather than you, adults. So, hey, but Jay, you got kids. You gonna go see Five Nights at Freddy's? Uh, knowing that we were talking about this today, I actually watched the trailer. Not only am I not gonna see Five Nights at Freddy's, I'm not sure I can get to bed tonight. It looks really scary. I didn't even know of this movie until now. That shows you how that I'm not the target audience, but I never heard of it. See, now I'm afraid to watch the trailer because I don't like scary movies, but people love them. I would recommend you do not watch this trailer, but people should go see this movie. Going to movies is fun. I did see Super Mario Brothers and Barbie. I've seen them both now twice. So I'm not sure those are my demo, but I have people in my household for whom that is the demo when I've seen those. Uh, we actually own Barbie online, like we bought it. Wow. What's more my speed is Killers of the Flower Moon, which I do want to see. Me too. Maybe we'll go see that, Jay. That feels like it's up our speed. Maybe we'll bring a, a, few, of the, a few of the friends It'll together. It'll be our first date. Yeah. Brett, aside I, from- I, I added the friends in there, Jay, to make it seem like that's not what we were doing. Fair enough. I, we can go out. That's cool. Aside from that, what do we have for Peak Balls today? For our first story, more strikes than a baseball game. For our second story, Biden's executive order closes the AI floodgates. And for our third story, Canada tightens international student rules. For our first story, Stellantis executives looked around, saw the numerous drawn-out strikes that have happened this year, and told striking workers, let's get this over with. And how'd they go about that, Brett? Well, so Stellantis became the last of the big three automakers alongside Ford and GM to reach a tentative new deal with its employees. Now, repped by Uniform after a strike that was so short, some workers wouldn't have even gotten the chance to hit the picket line. Well, lucky for them. The deal covers about 8,200 workers, which per Unifor represent the largest production footprint in the country and are making cars under the brands like Dodge and Jeep. And the deal secures 20 to 25% wage bumps over three years, a better pension, a cost of living stipend, and two new paid holidays, the same as recent Ford GM deals. And that's not all. That is not all. Unifor is on a hot streak, also securing a tentative deal for St. Lawrence Seaway workers late Sunday, ending an eight-day strike that disrupted supply chains. The simultaneous auto worker strike south of the border also ended yesterday after GM reached a tentative deal with its workers after six weeks of negotiations. It matters because striking workers have secured impressive gains, gains that likely won't be seen elsewhere in the labor market as conditions start to shift out of favor for employees. A survey of over 500 Canadian companies across 15 sectors found that most are planning more modest pay increases next year due to economic uncertainties. Meanwhile, new Conference Board of Canada data suggests that finding workers is getting easier and that wage growth, which ran hot earlier this year, is now slowing. The bottom line is Canadian unionization rates are down since the 80s and stood at 29% last year. While the strike surge might not lead to increased union interest, wage wins that continue amidst a cost of living crisis could at least cause some serious FOMO. For our second story, the U.S. government is rolling out some new house rules for AI developers. What are they, Jay? Well, U.S. President Joe Biden signed the first-of-its-kind executive order to regulate development in the AI industry. It includes guardrails to protect consumers and is the most significant regulation that the world's leading AI developers have faced. 
The new rules enforced by the Justice Department will force developers to share the results of safety tests with the government before releasing new products. They will only apply to new AI models that could be considered a threat to national security and will not be applied to tools that are already in the marketplace. Now to catch you up, until now, the U.S. has taken a hands-off approach to regulating AI, instead prioritizing economic growth. Given that it's home to the industry's leading developers, the executive order and the legislation that won't be far behind could stifle that growth. The White House is buying some time so that regulators not only in the U.S. but internationally can play catch up before rolling out more robust legislation. And it matters because at an ongoing global AI summit, G7 countries signed a voluntary AI code of conduct focusing on increasing transparency and security controls. The bottom line is, in spite of it being a stopgap measure until AI legislation is passed through Congress, the executive order goes well beyond any of the voluntary commitments signed by political and industry leaders when it comes to holding AI developers accountable for the safety of their products. For our third story, new numbers suggest that Canada's bail system is more backed up than our stomach after a bunch of fast food that is a gross image, Brett. Yeah, and here's what's driving the news. As many as 80% of inmates in Canada's jail system are held without conviction per a Globe and Mail survey, which received responses from seven provinces. Jails in Canada detained inmates awaiting trial and those imprisoned for minor crimes with a sentence of fewer than two years, any longer, and it's off to the penitentiary. And it matters because in 2014, the percentage of inmates in prisons who were yet to be proven guilty was 55%. In the 1990s, it was as low as 23%. The rapid increase over the past few decades is indicative of a bail system plagued with delays and overstepped bail courts. Arrested people are supposed to have a bail hearing within 24 hours or as soon as a judge becomes available. Suffice to say, judges often aren't free on such short notice and will often use the hearing to schedule a time for another one to take place. And while Canada doesn't have cash bail, bail often requires people to have a surety, a supervisor that puts down money, a barrier for impoverished individuals. Yes, but things could get even more congested if Bill C-48 passes. This law would make it tougher for some repeat offenders and those charged with domestic abuse to get bail via a process called reverse onus, where the accused must convince the court to release them. Reverse onus is already necessary for serious offenses like murder, and advocates believe expanding it will help public safety. Critics say it will only clog jails up more. And here's what's next. Bill C-48 passed Parliament last month and is now being studied by the Senate. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Have a great day, Peak Pals, and when you're out tonight... Drive pretty safely, or really safely. It's dark and there's lots of kids out. Have a good Halloween.